if we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Yes, indeed it is. And a good morning to you. Thank you for being with us as we get started at six minutes after the hour of nine o'clock on this Tuesday, the 12th morning of the fifth month of the year of our Lord 2020. Got a couple of great guests coming up on the program this morning. In about a half an hour at 935, we're going to get a return visit from investigative reporter Jack uh, Windsor. Uh, who works out of Mansfield and is a daily presence at Governor DeWine's daily press BSs, I mean briefings. Uh, and uh, he was there yesterday, and he has got some information to share with us. And he had some information to share with his viewers of his podcast or his video series. And I don't know exactly what he's going to call it. He goes on Facebook Live and does live uh, uh, commentary uh, uh, you know, several times a week. And uh, last night, he put a lot of very interesting stuff out there that I'm going to be asking him about, that you are going to want to hear as it pertains to the Chinese coronavirus and as it pertains to our response to the Chinese coronavirus, also the origins of the response to the Chinese coronavirus. And yeah, if we're going, if you think we're going all the way there to the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, you would be correct. That's where Jack went, and we're going to talk about that with him coming up at 9.35. We're also going to talk today, because it is Tuesday, you know what it means, it's a happy day. It's a Kersenow day. Peter Kersenow will be joining us at 10.10. We will talk about his latest column for National Review. Uh, We will talk to him about the letter signed by 2,000 former DOJ workers, or nearly 2,000, who are condemning Attorney General Bill Barr and want him to resign for dropping charges against Michael Flynn. How deep is the swamp? You had no idea how deep it was when President Trump came into office and how deep it remains. And uh, that letter is is just a prime example of that. Well, let's talk about President Trump's involvement, uh, or excuse me, President Obama's involvement in the attempt to set up uh, General Flynn and to take down President Trump. All of this information is coming out. I've got a lot of details I'll share with you as we go. Uh, Chuck Todd's edit of Bill Barr's statement will hit that, and then President Trump versus the press corps yesterday. So Jack Windsor at 935, and 
We will talk to uh, Peter Kirsten now coming up at 1010 this morning. So before that, in between that or after that, that is when you get to call, 216-901-0945 or 888-281-1110. Either one of those numbers will bring you right here to me. If you don't have time to call and you still want to be heard, send a message to me. Twitter and Facebook are your friends, even though they are really nobody's friends. They're evil platforms run by evil liberals who do indeed censor and remove your First Amendment protections if they don't like what you have to say. Having said that, they are what we have to deal with. And so you can find me. And then that way, it's your friend to reach me without being on hold. Uh, at France Radio, F-R-A-N-T-Z Radio, all one word, no spaces, no underscores. All right, I mentioned uh, the president versus the press corps yesterday. You probably have seen it by now. So, And if you haven't, I'm going to share it with you right now. This is... Um, these games have got to end. I just need to get that out of the way. I need to get that said. These gotcha games by the press corps simply have to end. The press corps, I I, I could just say the media in general. If I want to, I could do the MSM thing, the mainstream media, and say, you know, talk about the enemy of the people, et cetera, et cetera. Um, But specifically the White House press corps whose job is supposed to be to ask questions of the president, listen to the answer, record the answer, either in print or in digital format, and then relay that answer to your readers or your viewers or your listeners. <clears throat> That's the job of the reporters at the, in the press corps. If the president will entertain a follow-up question kindly, well, then you can go ahead and ask a follow-up question. What reporters are not supposed to do is, A, argue with the president's answers because they don't like them, and B, and this is what happened yesterday, B, they're not supposed to attack the president, and they're not supposed to create a news story where none exists. Their job is to report the news, report the answers provided by the person holding the press conference. That's it. Not become the story. And that's what they tried to do yesterday. When a CBS White House correspondent, member of the White House press corps, Ouija, and I don't even know her very well, so I hope I'm pronouncing her name correctly, or else I'll be called a racist. Her name is Ouija Zhang, as I understand it. She is a Chinese-American, or she is at least an Asian-American. I just don't know. Quite frankly, I just don't care, because it should not matter. She asked a question of the president about testing, and why he is always talking about how the U.S. is testing more than anyone else in the world. He responded to that question, and I'll, I'll play it for you here, and then she decided that was intended to be racist against me. It seems like every day we have a new example of the media doing everything they can to try and turn the American public against the president. Yesterday, what was our lead story? Yesterday, our lead story was Chuck Todd lying and deceptively editing with his team at Meet the Press an answer from Bill Barr to a question on a rival network by Catherine Herridge of CBS about General Michael Flynn and about how history will record uh, Attorney General Barr's dropping the charges against Flynn, Chuck Todd and his team 
cut out half of Barr's answer, and then went on live TV before I don't know how many hundreds of thousands or millions of viewers on Meet the Press, I don't know what kind of numbers it gets, but told that massive audience uh, that Bill Barr didn't say what he actually did say, but they just cut it out and left it there. It's, every day we have a new example of the press trying to take down Donald Trump in some capacity. This was yesterday's version. Yeah, go ahead, please. You said many times that the U.S. is doing far better than any other country when it comes to testing. Yes. Why does that matter? Why is this a global competition to you if everyday Americans are still losing their lives and we're still seeing more cases every day? Well, they're losing their lives everywhere in the world. And maybe that's a question you should ask China. Don't ask me. Ask China that question, okay? When you ask them that question, you may get a very unusual answer. Yes, behind you, please. Sir, why are you saying that to me specifically? I'm telling you, I'm not saying it specifically to anybody. I'm saying it to anybody that would ask a nasty question that's like that. That's not a nasty please question. Please go ahead. Why does it matter? When okay, uh, anybody else? Please go ahead in the back, please. I have, t- I have two questions. No, it's okay. But we'll you go pointed here. to me. I have two questions, Mr. Next, President. Next, please. But you, did, you called on me. I did, and you didn't respond, and now I'm calling on... Sorry, I just want the to young lady in the back, please. I just want to let my colleague okay. finish. But can I ask you Ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much. Appreciate it. Thank you very much. So the president abruptly ended the circus, left the clowns on the clown show sitting there just gasping for air. Oh, my gosh. Did he really say that? Why is he walking away? The president walked away far, far, far later then he should have walked away. The president should have walked away the moment that Weijia Zhang said, "Why are you asking? Why are you making that statement directly to me? Why are you answering that question that way to me?" Suggesting, of course, that President Trump, in pointing the finger of blame where it squarely belongs on China, is somehow an indictment of this reporter's ethnicity. The bottom line is, it doesn't matter if Weijia Zhang is, and again, I don't know if I'm saying her name properly, so just forgive me for that. I don't know if it's Weijia, 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 whatever. I don't care. Zhang, I think Zhang is probably pretty easy to do, J-I-A-N-G. Anyway, um, this reporter's question was about testing, and, and why does he, the president, um continues to brag about the fact that we are testing more than anybody else in the world. She said, why is it a global competition? And the answer to that question, of course, is because there is a global competition when everybody in the American press corps is constantly comparing the number of deaths in the United States to the number of deaths around the world and wanting to know what we're doing about it. One of the answers is we're testing more than anybody else around the world. That's the the bottom line. That's why it's a competition. And if you really want to know, uh, you know, where, where the most deaths around the world are, it's in China. And again, it doesn't matter if Weijia Zhang is Chinese. I don't know if she is, or if she is Vietnamese, or if she is Korean, or I don't know. I know she's Asian American. That's it. I guarantee the president doesn't know, and the president doesn't care. She could be German. She could be Czech. She could be French. She could be a Martian. And it wouldn't matter. His answer was, ask China. Why the testing matters. China, that first of all is responsible for the virus, number one. 
Second of all, China, which lied about the virus being transmissible between humans from human-to-human contact. Third of all, China lying about the number of people that they test and the number of people that have actually died, contracted the virus and died in China since the whole thing began in Wuhan. So the president said, you want to know why we're talking about this globally, why I'm comparing our testing rates to the rest of the world? Maybe you should ask China where this whole thing started. And she said, why did you say that specifically to me? Very simple. You're the one who asked the question. If the black guy next to you had asked the question, he would have said, ask China. He references China's responsibility for all of this numerous times every day. Ask me. Ask China that question, okay? When you ask them that question, you may get a very unusual answer. Yes, behind. By unusual, he means dishonest. Because China's going to lie to you about the number of people that have gotten, gotten sick, the number of people who have died, and the number of people that they've tested. You please. Sir, why are you saying that to me specifically? Because you asked the question. I mean, what what a dumb what a dumb follow up that is. I'm telling you, I'm not saying it specifically to anybody. I'm saying it to anybody that would ask a nasty question That's like that. That's not a nasty. Please question. go ahead. Why does it matter? It's an irrelevant question. Why are you comparing American testing to uh, uh, countries around the globe? I don't know, because the media of which you are a part at CBS News, is consistently comparing the United States and its numbers to other nations around the globe. Sounds pretty reasonable to me, but you're trying to play gotcha. What made it a nasty question is the way that, again, the media is constantly playing gotcha. These things have got to stop. President Trump has already dialed back or scaled back the number of press briefings that they're doing. Instead of every day at 5 o'clock, they do them on certain days. Uh, I guess maybe perhaps as the news warrants, when they have something really specific to announce. But I am so glad, first of all, I'm so glad that he has scaled them back. Second of all, it needs to be even more so, seriously, because they're nonproductive. When he comes out there to give information, important information, and rather than taking the information from him and then returning it and and forwarding it to their viewers, their listeners, and their readers, they sit there and engage in how many ways can I attack this guy before he pops? How many ways can I accuse this guy before he says something that we can use against him? It is a constant game of gotcha. It should end, and the president was right to walk away from it yesterday. He should not walk back and address them until he's got something to say and then maybe say, by the way, We've said everything that needed to be said. No questions. Goodbye. Because it doesn't matter what he does and what he says. He could come out to tomorrow's briefing and say, we have found a cure. Particularly if his task force found a cure for COVID-19 and everybody will be fine in a week. They would find a way to attack him for it. It's It's predictable and it's painful to watch. And it should not be allowed. It really shouldn't. I hope they cancel uh, virtually all of these press briefings until the reporters start to decide to uh, and promise and maybe sign a pact or a pledge to actually act like reporters. All right, it's 920. I want to get you in at 216-901-0945, Again, we'll talk to a reporter, but a different kind, an honest one. Jack Windsor will be joining me at 935. Kirsten now at 1010 on AM 1420, The Answer.
Professor Jack Windsor, investigative journalist, going to be reporting, or not reporting, rather, he reports every day from the uh, Mike DeWine press briefings. He's going to be joining us to discuss that and what happened yesterday. By the way, what did happen yesterday? One thing that was of note that came from yesterday's briefing, uh, Dr. Labcoat confirming yesterday that the earliest known cases of coronavirus present in the state of Ohio which was supposed to be February, the beginning of February, uh, that the, the uh, those were not the earliest cases. They were mistaken. They say they have now just discovered at least five cases of coronavirus by antibody testing. At least five cases in our state were here as early as January. Now, this is the official word yesterday from Dr. Labcoat and her assistant, Mike DeWine. State Department of Health Director Amy Acton said Monday the cases in question predate the beginning of February. State Department of Health announced last week it will, and this is big, by the way. I want to make sure I get this. They don't know, by the way, whether or not the early, earliest cases were from people here or from people who came here and perhaps brought it to Ohio from outside the state. But this is important. And I've had probably a half a dozen people in the last 24 to 48 hours send me messages either on uh, direct messaging on Facebook or text messages uh, messages asking me, is Ohio really going to force 1,200 households to undergo uh, a coronavirus testing? And I'm told that they're going to swab and they're going to take blood and that you're not allowed to refuse and all kinds of other things. That is really, really an exaggerated part of the story. What the Department of Health is going to do, and I gotta tell you, as I consider this, I don't, I'm not opposed to this. What the Department of Health is trying to do is not test for COVID, but to test for antibodies. They're trying to determine what percentage of the population may have already built up the antibodies because, because they had the, um, uh, Chinese coronavirus earlier. And maybe even earlier again than the, you know, the, the former date that they thought in early February. But maybe January, maybe earlier than that. And I think that's important information to have, to be 100% honest with you. But I should clarify, no one is going to be forced. Are they going to take 1,200 addresses randomly and, and go to those uh, homes and test people there? Yes, but only upon the agreement with the, the family and the, and the people living there. In other words, it's voluntary. They're going to pick 1,200 households randomly, but not going to break down your door and jam needles in your arm and take your blood. You may refuse, and you may refuse for any reason. And guess what? They will not ask you for a reason. If you decline, they would just say, okay, and they will go on to another random uh, address. Um, and again, they're not testing for coronavirus. I think a lot of people are afraid. Oh my God, they're going to come in here and, and test me perhaps against my will, find out that I have the virus, and then they're going to quarantine me and shut down my, you know, split up my family, shut down my home, or whatever the case might be. Or shut down my business, not let me go to work, et cetera. And people, of course, would be right to be afraid of such a move. That's not what this move is. They're testing for the antibodies. Why do I support this? Here's why I support this. They did the antibody testing in New York about three weeks ago. And they came to find out that a significant percentage of New Yorkers, not the city of New York, but statewide, so that's the super highly um, you know, uh, dense population of New York City as well as all of rural New York. And they found out that there are far more people that had the antibodies than they, they, ever, they ever imagined, which means there are far more people who have contracted the coronavirus than they ever knew. They didn't need treatment. They didn't need to go to the hospital. They didn't need to go to the 
get on a ventilator. There were tons of people who had the antibodies. And considering the fact that the number of deaths was constant, it proved that the death rate, the mortality rate, was far, far, far lower than they had originally suspected. Those were the two findings. Florida did something similar, found the same results. A lot more people had it and had the antibodies than they ever thought, and these people are fine, perfectly healthy. And obviously the death number stays the same, so that means more people had it, but the same number of people died, that means the mortality rate shrinks lower. So they've done this in other states, and I think it's good to have it happen here. I would like to get an idea, an estimate, with a good sampling of 1,200 households to see how many people. If they come to my door and say, we want to test for the antibodies, I'll let them do it. I would absolutely let them do it. I would like to know if I've had it. I'd like to know if anybody else uh, in my family has had it, and I have the antibodies present, because all it will do is continue to confirm what I believe and many others believe as well, that this has already spread through a significant portion of the population. Locking them down is absolutely pointless because the antibodies indicate uh, that you cannot, you are immune from it, you cannot get it again. And while they may may not say that just yet, definitively, it is believed to be the case. And then I would like to, again, drop that mortality rate even lower to once again underscore the insanity of these mandatory lockdowns. So that's where we are statewide. We're going to ask uh, Jack Windsor a little bit more about that. He's a reporter who was at the briefing yesterday. We'll get his thoughts when we come right back on AM 1420, The Answer. Thirty-six. Now we continue on AM 1420, The Answer. Okay, an investigative journalist is not exactly a private eye, but I see what you're doing there with the music, uh, DJ Derek. That's that, that's not bad. Uh, let's bring Jack Windsor back onto our program. Jack Windsor is an investigative reporter. He is uh, working out of Mansfield, and he is a daily presence at the governor's press BSs, I mean briefings, and he joins us now on AM 1420, The Answer. Jack, not exactly a private eye, right? But uh, we, we can kind of go with that, right? I think that's uh, hilarious. That's fantastic. Bob, it's an honor uh, to be with you and your WHK listeners. Thank you for inviting me back. It's a pleasure to have you back, Jack. I think you have a lot of fans and a lot of people who really appreciate the work that you're doing because there's just not enough of it um, when it comes to really holding the governor and um, uh, and her assistant, Mike DeWine's feet to the fire when uh, when you go to these press briefings. So, Governor Acton, uh, I'm sorry, I continue to mis- mistake those two. Uh, so, Dr. Acton said yesterday, the uh, walking lab coat said that the virus has been in Ohio since before early February, the earliest known date prior to yesterday anyway, uh, at which they had been able to uh, determine uh, the virus was present. They said it's at least five cases, and who knows, there's probably more than that since January. Um, what does that mean to you, Jack Windsor? Well, that's a showstopper for me. It means stop the cameras, stop the orders, and let's get back to life. But we're not there. And here's why we're not there. On Sunday, the governor was on Fox News Sunday, and he said if residents of Ohio are not safe, then they will need to roll back and and close businesses again. Now, I'm sure he was in uh, receipt of that information that there are antibody tests that were done, and Miami, Montgomery, Richland, Summit, and Warren counties all have cases that prove that this was here in January, if not sooner. So, to me, that's breaking news. That's a news flash. That's caused to take a hard turn and do something different. 
yet the narrative stayed the same yesterday. You know, it's kind of funny. Let's go back to the Chris Wallace interview you just referenced. And I talked about this yesterday and played it from Sunday in which he did say if, uh, if we, if things take a turn, if the, if the numbers start to rise again, we'll have to go back and shut down again, which I cannot imagine. If you think there's people rallying and protesting and revolting against the government now, man, he hasn't seen anything until he gives us a taste of freedom and then tries to ground us all back to our rooms again. But the other thing that was important to me, uh, that he said and that he talked about with, with Chris Wallace, uh, in that, uh, in that, um, uh, interview is that 90% of Ohio is starting to open in the next two weeks. I, I, I listened to that and, and was kind of weird, Jack. I listened to Chris Wallace. Chris Wallace sounded like the alarmist calling for continued lockdowns. And Mike DeWine actually looked like he's the, you know, the liberator of Ohio because, yeah. you know, I'm, yeah. I'm going against all of these red flags that, you know, that Wallace brought up to him in doing this. Um, but the truth of the matter is 90% of Ohio is not opening when some no. retail stores are allowed at only X percent capacity. Some restaurants will be allowed on the 15th, only outside in a frozen May, by the way. Only some capacity when on the 21st they're allowed to go inside. Uh, to suggest that 90% of Ohio is opening is to give Mike DeWine far, far too much credit. And I feel like, uh, I, or at least I don't feel like really, that he is being held accountable for what he has truly done to this state. You know, and I, I agree with that. Um, you know, the, the comment was made 90%. I think it was even made again. He made it in the, in the presser yesterday. He did. But the reality is that it's not true. I mean, you know, we still have service businesses. And, and here's, the, here's where there's going to be a backlog that doesn't really get talked about publicly. You'll see it a lot on social media. There are businesses who are saying, yeah, we, we want to comply, but there's a nine-week backlog on plexiglass or PPE. So um, not only did this administration take businesses and, and economic earning potential from people without due process, and in some cases, not even not fair compensation, but no compensation. There are people who haven't been paid yet. Uh, and, and, you know, there's, there's kind of this backdoor way of continuing to make it hard for businesses to open up. There's no way we're at 90%. That's a misrepresentation. No. Yeah, it, it truly is. And I, again, I think he's trying to take credit. I think he hears the criticism. I think he saw the rallies around Ohio on Saturday and he sees the protests on a regular basis at the Capitol. And, and I think he's trying to appease those people saying, we're doing it. And, oh, by the way, listen to Chris Wallace. We're doing it despite the danger. Uh, but then, yeah. of course, throwing in the caveat about, uh, hey, if it starts to get too bad again, we are going to. And this is what I, I feel like it's almost a given. Jack, am I being too cynical when I say that? No. I think what he's going to do is allow this to sit for a couple of weeks after quote-unquote reopening the restaurants and bars. Then they're going to see the spike, however moderate, and say, see, we told you it was too soon. We tried our best. You wouldn't listen. You forced our hand. And now you need to go back to your room and don't question mommy and daddy again because we know better than you do. You know, I think anybody that doesn't allow the fear that's being pumped every day at 2 o'clock to get into their being and distort their view sees exactly what you see. The question that needs to be asked is what direct evidence would constitute a rollback. Since you still have sole authority and you've locked out dissenting opinions, legislators trying to draft laws to limit authority, what data triggers will constitute a rollback? Is it number of cases? Is it hospital visits? Is it ICU visits, deaths? And Ohioans deserve to know what are the rules of the game that you're, that you're asking us to play. But here's the interesting, uh, I guess, addition to that. We know that uh, disease detectives or whatever you want to call them, people are going to be out uh, and they're going to be basically 
finding more cases. We, we're going to have the ability to do 20,000 more tests a day at some point. Obviously, the numbers are going to go up. So to me, the danger is if we're going to go into this, and Dr. Acton talks about a social contract with masks, which I'm, I never signed that social contract, by the way. They're going to try to force us into a social contract based on what? Emotion? It is not fair to come out of this and have zero answers about what would constitute us going backwards. That's key. Uh, that's crucial. What, what will that mean? You know, and you've asked that question of him. I heard you in the press briefings. I asked him something similar and I asked John Husted something similar in an exclusive one-on-one interview and we get no direct answers. Um, Jack Windsor, again, is our guest. He's an investigative journalist, uh, working out of Mansfield and covering the daily press briefings with Governor DeWine. Um, let me go back to the antibodies question and about the fact that they found at least five people whose antibodies uh, uh, date back, I guess, however they do this, into January. You put on Facebook last night this quote. Remember when you all said it's been here since last year? They're getting closer to admitting that. Uh, January isn't quite last year, but you're right. It's getting closer. Um, what if they find out it was here in December, it was here in November, and maybe even earlier than that? What, what, what is, how does that change this equation at all? They got a lot of explaining to do then because there are, there are two key factors. Number one, when they came out with their graphs and their charts and their models in March, circa March 23rd, right? They talked about we're gonna, we're gonna lock down and there's gonna be this peak eventually, probably in April. Won't go back and do the math. If this was here in December, even in January, the peak happened before any action was taken. So all of this was for naught. And that's one issue. The second issue, uh, to me, stems from the conversation that they didn't have yesterday that they committed to have when they missed a deadline. They were going to talk about child care. Mm-hmm. And here's, here's the reality. reality. 1,130 child care centers have been open the entire time that we've been locked out. No outbreaks, no hot spots. Many of these centers housed kids of healthcare workers. And we know that's one of the most at-risk, highest contagion groups in the state. So all of that together, remember what happened in Ohio in January and February? Schools were closed because kids were out in massive numbers. And Dr. Acton talked about last week, well, you know, there's this report that kids are carriers. There's also conflicting reports that say they aren't. What if they're not carriers because they've already had it? makes a lot of sense to me. They're going to have a ton of explaining to do about not only eliminating the emergency order, but how in Hades do you justify that all of the restrictions that you've put in place and that we continue to follow? Um, let me ask you, first of all, I didn't know about the 1,130 child care centers are open in the state of Ohio throughout this whole thing. Is that what you're saying? Yes. And what's they the, are. What's the source of pandemic? that? What's the source of that? And I, I asked that not to question you because uh, you're on top yeah. of this. I just want to I want to be able to share it. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, the o, uh, ODJFS site. Uh, I will uh, try to patch over a link to you. Um, now, the one thing that they will say is that, you know, the, the, the numbers are low, the ratios are low. Um, but the bottom line is centers have continued to be open. Okay, good. I, I really do want to know that because that's pretty amazing. And I would also like to know why. I would like to know what the, uh, uh, you know, exceptions were made for. Secondly, uh, actually, two two things on on the the mumbling lab coat. Um, she said 
uh, yesterday, or actually it was announced yesterday, I don't know if she said this at the briefing, but it was announced about the 1,200 families that were going to be uh, selected randomly, I guess by address, mm-hmm. to have antibody testing done. I know a lot of people freaked out about that and thought they were going to come breaking down the door and forcibly jamming needles into people's arms. Uh, right. They're not. This is voluntary. If you want to refuse, you may refuse, It is not, and it's okay. I, I, my first blush response to this was, good, let it happen. I'll roll my sleeve up for that because I want to find out the same thing that New York found out, the same thing that um, uh, Florida found out. States that have done widespread or at least good sample size antibody testing have found out that so many more people had it, were asymptomatic, had no earthly idea, or they did had a little bit of a mild illness and recovered, etc. But when we find out that so many more people had it, and yet the death number stays the same, all it does is shrink that mortality rate because we know how much more widespread it was and, and, and the fact that uh, comparatively, you know, a, a very, very few number of people lost their lives. Are you okay with the antibody testing study? Uh, you know, that shirt looks good on you, but I'm not going to wear it. How come? <laughs> yeah, Tell me why. I, I, guess, I, I guess I'm good with, with the numbers. Um, I'm not in a state that I, that I, uh, I have a, a high enough trust to, to be a guinea pig. Um, and I'm just being, I'm being flat out honest. There are too many questions here for me. But what you're saying, fundamentally, I 100%. And I think what we'll see, you know, as you look at New York, uh, California, Florida, uh, other places that have done this. Now, New York City was a little bit of an anomaly. They have, they have high population, high population density. So it was about 20, uh, 20% of that section of New York, um, which I think parlayed over to like 13.7% of a, a regional Correct. population. Correct. But 5%-ish, is, it was. now that was several weeks ago. That was kind of the, the standard number. So, you know, it, maybe it is 5%, maybe it's 10%, maybe it's 15% now. But what that does is it, is, is it forces us to go, okay, if that's the case, then um, we have a lot of people and a ton of people who, who have this. And why are we talking about slowing well, things down? have had down? already. Yeah, yes, who have had it. Why are we talking about slowing things down for 12 months or 18 months to wait on, on a vaccine? when herd immunity and natural immunity is really the best thing that you can have. And if we're that darn close, then we really need to re-strategize and look at our game plan. To me, that's, that's, that's what it means to me. I, I, you know what, I, I think that's well said. Uh, and I would encourage people, by the way, I mean, I, I want as wide a spread antibody tests as we can find. Uh, and, and, and I really do want people to, to embrace that because I think it's going to prove that what we have been saying is true, that they have shut this entire state down and committed all of these acts of violating Americans' constitutional rights, uh, for no reason whatsoever, for something that is so comparatively small. Now, the other thing I wanted to ask about Acton is this. Why is it, Jack, that every time you and others who are willing to a- a- ask tough questions and there's only one or two of you to be 100 percent honest but why does she always seem so constantly unprepared you asked her last week for for the number of of the actual number of people infected in ohio you asked her for the number of people who have got uh, who have recovered from it anytime she's asked any of these questions she says i don't have that data how can she be formulating the response when she apparently has none of the data and none of the quote-unquote we're told to follow the science but she doesn't have any of the science to actually justify the policies that she has ordered yeah, it's stunning, isn't it? Yeah, and I'll start with yesterday. She was asked about what counties had that testing, and, and she didn't know that. I mean, that's a that's a that's a news break right there. I, I would expect that she would have that information. And uh, you know, there's a there's a theory that someone shared with me last night uh, as to why it's happening. But you're right. You think back in the beginning, she came out and she said, hundred thousand Buckeyes probably have this." And then later on, she said, 5% to fifteen percent of our population." 
uh, is probably infected with this virus. And then when I asked the question, um, because remember, uh, that came on the heels of them saying the R naught of this is 2.5 to 3, or excuse me, 2.5 to, to 3, uh, which means on average one person would, would infect two to three people. It's now one. So when you're doing those calculations, those numbers I would expect would be in there. So I asked, how many people do you project are infected? And, and the answer was, we don't know. Someone said um, that might be because, you know, they were kind of going willy-nilly in the beginning, getting softballs lobbed to them as questions. Mm-hmm. But now that people are kind of standing in that void and going, wait a minute, you said this, and I'm going to hold you to it. Maybe maybe the, the hard questions are, are making a difference. Maybe it's giving them pause um, before they you know, project something onto the population. Jack, the last time I spoke with you last week, um, you said your next question for the governor was going to be about the masks. You were going to ask if uh, uh, if the masks, wearing the masks are the answer. Why is anything still closed? Just have everybody mask up. And if they are not the answer, then uh, uh, why are they being you know why are they being mandated by employees, et cetera, et cetera? Did you get that question asked, and did you get a satisfactory answer? Where are we on that? No, no. <laughs> okay. That question has not been asked yet, um, but it is something that. You know, again, Acton said yesterday, if you feel sick, don't go to work and wear this mask. You know, don the cape, don the mask. Look, the Surgeon General said that, that doing that is, is not a good idea because we don't, we don't apply them the right way. We don't sanitize them the right way. And it creates a false sense of security. Dr. Anthony Fauci even said, healthy people wearing this doesn't make sense. Oxygen, oxygen deprivation is not a good idea. Our, our organs need a lot of oxygen. And when you're dealing with a, a virus that, it, that can attack your lungs, it just doesn't make sense. The question needs to be asked. A lot of people have danced around it, but the narrative continues to be the narrative. And, and it goes from facts to, well, look, this isn't about you. This is about protecting those who are most vulnerable. And if you wear this mask, it shows that you care. It shows that you're, you're not only protecting yourself, but you're protecting people in, in your circle. And, and that's the narrative. It's, it's void of, of medical fact. Um, so I would like to ask the question. I'm probably going to drill down on something else today regarding health care, uh, or excuse me, regarding child care. But that question still needs to be asked, and I apologize. I didn't, I didn't ask it last week. You, well, no, it's okay, because you have a million things you could ask this guy, and you only get one question at a time. I know you're working on a one-on-one. I hope you get it, because he's done doing one-on-ones with me. Uh, but, no, your, your point is 100% accurate about the masks. In fact, you're not a doctor, uh, so we'll make that clear. I'm not a doctor. We'll make that clear, too. But many, many doctors have done many, many studies about the effic- efficacy of forcing a healthy population to wear masks and the dangers it poses for them. So listen to the actual doctors that's what we're told every day listen to the doctors so let's listen to those who say wearing the mask is a terrible idea jack windsor uh thank you so much keep up the good work there out of mansfield i appreciate it and we'll follow up with you again as soon as we can all right god bless keep working hard thank Thank you. you too thank you jack jack is doing great work on behalf of the people of ohio i really mean that Jack Windsor and very few others have the guts to go to Mike DeWine, John Husted, Dr. Lab Code, and ask tough questions, and then follow up and actually give great, thoughtful analysis uh, on his uh, his live videos that you'll see, too. So I'll uh, direct you to Facebook and the Jack Windsor Fan Club. I'm one. My hand's in the air. I'm a fan of Jack Windsor and the work he's doing, and uh, you should follow him there on Facebook as well uh, to uh, to learn more. Okay, it's 9.53. Right back after this. You're slipping, DJ Derek. I'm surprised you didn't play this before when I was doing the Trump story from yesterday's press uh, briefing. 
Oh, lordy, lordy, lordy. 9.57, let's get a couple of calls here before the top of the hour. Tracy is calling from Cleveland on AM 1420 The Answer. Hi, Tracy, go ahead. Morning, Bob, thanks. Um, you know, I, I agree with you with wanting to get tested and all that, the random testing they're doing. But I don't think there's any way for the antibodies. For the antibodies, yeah. Just, just to be clear, Tracy. Yeah, I don't want to be. I don't want a coronavirus test. I just, I would like to be a part of the antibody testing. Go ahead. Right to see who has the antibodies, but I don't want the government to have my blood. I mean, I'm okay having my doctor do the antibody test, but I don't want the government to come around and take my blood. Uh, You know what? It's a fair point. It's a fair point. Uh, Perhaps if you know they set it up so you could go into your doctor and 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 have that blood drawn by your doctor at your clinic or hospital or uh, or office of choice, and then they gave that to the government for the antibiotic testing, I think I would probably feel better about that than having somebody from the government knock on my door and say roll up the sleeve. I think that's a great point, Tracy, uh, of distinction. Thanks so much. Thanks so much for the call, Tracy. Let me get to uh, Mike in Columbia Station. First time caller, Mike. Thanks for joining us. Oh, we lost our first time caller, Mike. Mike, call us back. We love getting new uh, voices on the program. Seriously, uh, thanks so much for the uh, for the uh, uh, effort. We'll try to get you on before the next hour. We don't think we have time for another call anyway. Now, let me say this though: as we t- uh, launch it into uh, Peter Kersenow, a little follow up on uh, on what um, uh, Jack Windsor just said. Amy Acton's simple inability to come to a press briefing in which she is supposed to provide facts for the press to be shared with the constituents of Ohio. She comes to a fact briefing absent facts daily. What good is she other than to stand there in her white coat saying, look at me, I'm a doctor, and I say stay home? I mean, literally, if she's not coming with facts, and in fact, truthfully, the number of facts she has tried to bring to these uh, press briefings have been inaccurate. Such as, as Jack Windsor pointed out, the 100,000 prediction of 100,000 Buckeyes uh, infected right now. And then the peak was going to be 98,000. We're going to have 67,000 and 1,600 a day and all these different things. You know, she's been wrong every step of the way. But now when she's asked for simple facts, she cannot provide them. I don't understand, again, why Mike DeWine has has, uh, uh, attached his political future and, quite frankly, his, you know, his um, legacy as governor of the state, why he has hitched his wagon to her horse, I don't understand. I really don't. Uh, all right, like I said, we don't have time for more calls, so let's get to the news, and we'll come back with Kirsten.